We are studying the book of Revelation because there is this rumor going around, even in this town, that there are those who are saying that the book of Revelation is hard to understand, but oh, contraire, say we, for you see, the word revelation itself means that something has been revealed. Absolutely. If God wanted to conceal something, he would have called it the concealation, not the revelation. And so what is it that's revealed in this book? Well, Revelation chapter 1, verse 1, the opening line tells us it's the revelation of Jesus Christ. It's going to be the revelation from Jesus, and it's going to be the revelation of Jesus. And we're going to see him in a way that maybe we did not see him 2,000 years ago. So God was so concerned to make sure that his people would read this book that he promised that for those who would read it, that they would receive a very special blessing. And that blessing is found in Revelation chapter verse, Revelation chapter one, verse three. Let's look at it. Blessed is he who reads. And this is the only book of the Bible that says, read me, I'm special. Blessed is he who reads and those who hear the words of the prophecy and heed the things which are written in it for the time is near. So it would be very odd for us to believe in a God who says, I'll bless you if you read it. I want you to hear it. I want you to heed it, but here's the thing. You're never going to understand it. It'd be odd for us to believe in a God like that. But God knew that there would be those going around saying that the book of Revelation is hard to understand. So to make this book understandable, God placed in this book its very own outline, which is found in Revelation chapter 1. Revelation chapter 1, verse 19 uh, is the outline. John is told to write the three divisions in the book, and it says, therefore, write the things which you have seen, and that's going to be the first division, the things which are, that will be the second division, and the things which will take place after these things. So three divisions in the book of Revelation. So the first division, write the things that you have seen. So what is it that John has seen? Well, if you look at verse 13, it says, In the middle of the lampstands, I saw one like a son of man, and it gives this incredible description of Jesus as he would be encountered today. And uh, so we've been talking about that. But then it says, write the things which are. That's going to be the second division in the book of Revelation. And so the things that are will pertain to the time period that you and I will call the church age, and that will be found in Revelation chapters 2 and 3. Jesus will dictate seven letters to seven churches. Now, these churches literally existed. What he writes about was actually taking place. But what we find is that in their order, these churches, they will lay out 2,000 years of church history with incredible precision. If you change the order of any of the churches, it makes absolutely no sense. But in their order, they lay out 2,000 years of church history. But then you have the third division. He says, write the things which you have seen, the things which are, and the things which will take place after these things. Well, after what things? Well, after the things that are, we'll find that's the church age. So when will we find that phrase, after these things again? Well, that phrase will be found in Revelation chapter 4, verse Revelation chapter 4, verse 1. Let's look at it. Everybody go over to chapter 4, verse 1. And it begins, it says, after these things. Well, after what things? Well, after chapters two and three. 
So after these things, John says, I looked and behold a door standing open in heaven and the first voice which I had heard like the sound of a trumpet speaking with me said, come up here and I will show you what must take place. It's not going to change. Must take place after these things. And as you've heard me say every week, the Holy Spirit is so concerned to make sure that we don't miss that this is the third division in the book of Revelation that he begins the verse with the phrase, after these things, and he ends the verse with the phrase, after these things. And we've mentioned that this is a picture of what you and I would call the rapture of the church. John sees a door standing open in heaven, a voice like a trumpet, the voice says, come up here, and immediately John is in heaven. And as we went through, we found that the entire church is there in heaven, and they are surrounding, they are surrounding the throne. We also found that because this is a picture of the rapture of the church, that the word church will be mentioned over 20 times in the first three chapters of the book of Revelation, but from chapter 4, verse 1, to the end of the book, there's going to be one word that's going to be glaringly absent, and that word is church, church. And the reason being is that the church is no longer part of the story, at least not on the ground. We are in heaven. Now, at the end of the book of Revelation, in the final paragraph, Jesus says, I wanted to show these things to the churches. And so the word will appear at the end, but it's no longer part of the story on the ground. Well, after that, we were in chapter 4, and we talked about that, and then we went to chapter 5, and then in chapter 5 is the churches in heaven. You'll recall, and this is important for our study today, there is a scroll in heaven, and we found that that was the title deed to the earth. And there were seven seals on that scroll, and uh, there was no one worthy to take that scroll, take back the title deed of the earth. But Jesus takes the scroll, and that's in chapter 5, verse 7, and it says, He came and took the book or scroll out of the right hand of Him who sat on the throne. That would be God the Father. So He takes that, and He begins to open those seals, and that's going to begin the events that we will know as the tribulation. So, chapter 4, verse 1, the church goes up, and then what comes down? Wrath. And that is found in Revelation chapter 6, verse 16. Verse 16. Let's look at it. So, this is the opening volley of the book of, of that time period of the tribulation. And it says, They said to the mountains and the rocks, Fall on us and hide us from him who sits on the throne, to reference to God the Father, and from the wrath of the Lamb. And in the Bible, the Lamb is always a reference to. Jesus, and they're surprised that it actually took place. Now, each week I mention, I won't do it every week, but I'll do it this week. Some people are uncomfortable with this time period of tribulation because God's wrath is being poured out. Always remember that before verse 16, there is verse 9. Verse 9 says this, when the lamb broke the fifth seal, I saw underneath the altar the, son, the, the soul's of those who had been slain because of the word of God, they'd been killed because of the word of God, and because of the testimony which they had maintained. And so here you see that just as you are passionate about your children, God is very passionate about his children. And so this group is, uh, they are literally killing uh, God's people. Well, chapter 7, we went through last week, and there was the sealing 
of the 144,000. In chapter 6, there is this opening of the seals. Six of the seven seals are open. There's a pause. We come to chapter 8, and uh, a couple of things I need to say about chapter 8 before we get in. Chapter 8 is kind of near, either at the center of the seven-year tribulation, or it's very near to the center. So in chapter 6, there was war, there was famine, there was death. That was not a three-week process. That might still be going on when we get to chapter 8. And so you need to know that. Because we're going to see some things as we, we get into this, because in the book of Revelation, the tribulation period gets progressively worse. So six of the seals of the scroll have been opened. And so we come to chapter 8, verse 1. And it says, now, when the Lamb broke the seventh seal, again, the title deed to the earth, there was silence in heaven, and I've underlined about a half an hour. So um, Jesus breaks the seventh seal, and there's silence in heaven. We're going to find that this is the calm before the storm, the calm before the storm. And so verse 2, it says, and I saw the seven angels who stand before God and seven trumpets, you want to underline that, we're going to call these the trumpet judgments, were given to them. So verse 2, you want to write this down there on your outline, the seventh seal opens the seven trumpets, the seven trumpets. So let me, let me uh, just share with you how this works. In the book of Revelation, you have the seven seals, you have the seven trumpets, and then you have the seven bowls. So what happens is you have the seven seals, Jesus takes the title deed to the earth, you open up the first six. When you open up the seven, the seven then becomes the trumpet judgments. You open up the first six of those and of the trumpet judgments, which we're going to start looking at today. The seventh one opens up the bowl judgments. Now, in the bowl judgments, it's going to be like bowls of wrath being poured out. So you have the scroll, the trumpets, and the bowl. So uh, keep that in mind, and you'll go over that a thousand times. So we'll We'll get that. So far, so good? All right. So verses three and four, it says, another angel came and stood at the altar, I've underlined that, holding a golden censer, and much incense was given to him so that he might add it to the prayers of all the saints on the golden altar, which is before the throne. And the smoke of the incense with the prayers of, prayers of the saints went up before God out of the angel's hand. When it says there's an altar, um, there is a temple in heaven. And the Bible talks about that temple in heaven. And so what we find is that when there was a temple on the earth, it was a picture or, uh, of the temple that was ultimately in heaven. So it's a copy. So there in your outline, just very quickly from the book of Hebrews, it talks about those who serve a copy and shadow of the heavenly things, just as Moses was warned by God when he was about to build the tabernacle. For see, he says, that you make all things according to the pattern which was shown to you on the mountain. So the idea is with, when you build the temple, uh, God has given the picture. The picture comes from heaven. So that's the pattern that you build it. So what you see in the temple on the earth is actually a copy of what's in heaven. And it talks about the golden censer. Now, how many of you come from a uh, Catholic background and uh, you remember the priest walking? Do they do that in the Catholic church? 
So I'm going to tell you a little story about my life. Okay, this doesn't go out of this room. But um, I, my family, early on, we were Baptist. But when my mom, she married my stepdad, he was a Baptist, but his name was a Greek name. When he was born, his name was called Gus Lothrakis. Gus Lothrakis. And so he came from a very Greek family. My brother on my stepfather's side, my mom and stepfather, his name is Nick. So it, did you guys see my big fat Greek wedding? It's the truth. It's the truth. So Gus Lothrakis is my dad. My brother's name is Nick, you know, so it's like Nick, Nick, Nicky, Nick, Nick, Nick. And, and I have like 10 Aunt Marys, okay? So we were Baptists. We were Baptists. But anytime there was a family wedding or there was a family funeral, we were at the Greek Orthodox Church. And so my earliest memories are the priest walking with the censer, and it's putting out puffs of incense. Is that how they do it in the Catholic Church? So it's going to puff, puff, puff out there. So um, I'm, I'm somewhat familiar with that. So this is all mixed with the prayers of the saints. And when it says all the saints, it means from Adam all the way up until that time. So verses 5 and 6, it says, Then the angel took the censer and filled it with the fire of the altar and threw it to the earth. It goes down. And there followed peals of thunder and sounds and flashes of lightning and an earthquake. And the seven angels, and I've underlined that, who had the seven trumpets prepared themselves to sound them. So the idea here is that trouble is coming. Trouble is coming as this begins. Now, remember in chapter 6, it was war, famine, and death. And those were things that typically man does to man. We're going to find that this is going to look slightly different. And we'll see that as we go. So I'm going to read verses 7 through 11. We're going to highlight some things as we go, and then we're going to come back again and unpack it. So in verse 7, it says this, the first sounded, and there came hail and fire mixed with blood, and they were thrown to the earth, and a third of the earth was burned up, and a third of the trees were burned up, and all green grass was burned up. All green grass was burned up. So the first trumpet, what we see, the result of that is going to be the destruction, we're going to say, of vegetation. So write that down. Um, the word there, trees, is the word dendron, and it can mean uh, trees, uh, it can mean fruit trees, mostly in this case it's going to mean fruit trees. Dendron is the uh, Greek word for tree. How many of you have ever heard of a rhododendron tree? Rhododendron. So that's just a rose tree. So the dendron is the Greek, and it just means trees. So these are burned up. When it talks about the green grass, now 2,000 years ago, they didn't have yards like we have them. So, uh, you know, lawn services that came in. That, that's not the concept. The word grass here is also the word for wheat and hay. So, so that's, that's what that means. So this is burned up, a third of that on, on the earth. So sustenance at this point is destroyed. Well, verses 8 and 9, it says, the second angel, and by the way, I'm underlining the first, the second, and as we go through, the second angel sounded, and something like, does your Bible have the word like? Okay, that's important, or it'll indicate. So he's, when he says this, what he, he sees something, but he's describing it with the best words that he can, he can have. It's not saying this is what it is, but it was like. That's the only way to describe it 2,000 years ago. 
like a great mountain, I've underlined that, burning with fire, and it was thrown into the sea, and a third of the sea became blood, and a third of the creatures which were in the sea uh, and had life died, and a third of the ships, and I've underlined ships, were destroyed. So the result of the second trumpet taking place is going to be a third of the salt water is destroyed. And we'll talk about that in a few minutes. It says that a third of the ships were destroyed. Now, John sees into the future, if you were to go online and and ask how many uh, registered ships there are in the world today, it's about 93,000, 93,000. So if this is pertaining to our time period, it means about 30,000 ships. And we'll certainly talk about that. So then you have verses 10 and 11. And it says, the third angel, you want to underline that, sounded and a great star, and I want you to underline star, fell from heaven. And John says, burning like a torch, burning like a torch. So he's describing this. And and it says, fell in a third of the rivers and on the springs of water. Fell on the third of the rivers and the springs of water. And the name of the star is called wormwood. You want to underline that. Wormwood just means bitterness or disaster is what it, you know, is, is the idea. Uh, wormwood. So, and a third of the waters became wormwood bitter. And many men died from the waters because they were made bitter. So you have this third trumpet, and the result is going to be destruction of a third of fresh water. third of fresh water. So you have the rivers, you have the tributaries and all that. So, and again, uh, wormwood means bitterness, it means disaster, it means calamity. So you have this passage and and you say, so what, what is it? What is it? Well, there are those who hold that this is the result of a nuclear exchange. And for very good reason, very good reason they hold that. And it's interesting that if you take the word wormwood and uh, you go to Russia, the word is very close to the word Chernobyl. How many of you remember Chernobyl? So it's, uh, some would say it's the exact same word, and some would say, well, it's not exact, but it's very, very close, and it means the same thing. So some hold that this is a worldwide nuclear exchange. And if that's true, um, imagine uh, even... 200 years ago, seeing something like this, you would say that would be impossible for for that to happen. So, um, and in verse 7, one of the things that we saw, it says, the first sounded and there came hail and fire. When they were testing nuclear bombs in the Bikini Islands, one of the things they noticed is that as the plume went up, what came down shortly after it was hail. Hail went up, it froze, and came back down. So, and right now there's over 40 countries that are nuclear capable. So for that reason, there are those who hold that this is a nuclear exchange. Now, I'm, uh, I take a different approach. I take a different approach. When, and, and I'm not against that approach. So, just so, so I'm not saying it's wrong. I'm just saying I, I tend to look at it a little bit differently. Um, when the tribulation began in chapter 6, it was war, famine, uh, death, and we looked at that, and 25% of the world was wiped out. Well, it appears that that's where that nuclear war took place in that time. That's a possibility. So when you go through the tribulation, what we're going to see is that the tribulation time period gets progressively worse as it go. 
So the opening, chapter 6, when you have war, that's more of like a man-made mess. Um, And those were the seal judgments. But these are trumpets. Now, a trumpet is a warning. It's, you know, you want to get somebody's attention. It's, you're warning somebody of something, and so you, you use a trumpet. And that's certainly, these are going to be used to get someone's, someone's attention, and we're going to find that it doesn't get everybody's attention. So what we're going to see here is going to be something that appears to be of a different nature. So what I've done is I put verses 10 and 11 on your outline, and uh, let me read that, and let's see if we can get some perspective. So it says, the third angel sounded, and a great star, and the Greek word there is aster. Does everybody see that? Aster. So you would get the word star, but what word in English do you think the word aster comes from? Asteroid, exactly, asteroid. So we'll see if that has something to do with it. So the third angel sounded, and a great star, aster, fell from heaven, burning like a torch, And it fell on the earth, on the rivers, and on the springs of water. And the name of the aster star is called Wormwood. And a third of the waters became Wormwood. And many men died from the waters because they were made bitter. So again, the word there is aster. And we get the word asteroid from that same word. So now um, this is is, uh, something that I find very interesting. And I want to read a couple of excerpts from from this book called The Wormwood Prophecy by Thomas Horn. Now, let me just say that Thomas Horn is a brilliant writer when it comes to end times prophecy. What I love about Thomas Horn and all of his writings is that um, it was a few weeks ago where I read from Joseph Sace, who wrote in the 1860s. And uh, it's brilliant stuff, but, but the thing is that when you're trying to describe some of these things in the 1860s, uh, it's, it's hard to describe what didn't exist, you know, 150 years ago. So when Thomas Horn writes, it's always very current. And the guy's, the guy's just, I mean, he's, he's incredibly gifted. So I encourage you, get anything by Thomas Horn, and uh, you'll, you'll be glad that you did. But um, you, know, you ever hear somebody say something like, you know, I recommend this book and this writer, but, you know, I don't agree with everything they say. You ever heard somebody say something like that? And they say that so that they sound smarter or whatever. I'm not smart enough to disagree with Thomas Horn. So just so you know that. So, um, but I just, I love everything that he writes. And if you go to skywatchtv.com, uh, there's a lot of videos and, and, and things that you can get there. So let's see. I want to just uh, read a couple of things as to what this could possibly be. And um, so first thing I want to read. In June of 2004, astronomers at the Kitt Peak National Observatory detected a sizable asteroid uh, heading in the direction of Earth. Subsequent efforts made later in 2004 by a team at the Siding Springs Survey in Australia identified the asteroid again. In the next year, the team that discovered the asteroid named it Apophis, Apophis. Now, I want you today to go home, go on YouTube, and then type in Apophis, A-P-O-P-H-I-S, Apophis. I just won the spelling bee. So, so, um, so they named it Apophis. Where am I at? Uh, 
Apophis, after the ancient Egyptian spirit of evil, darkness, and destruction, a malevolent force that cannot be stopped according to legend. Now, immediately, the possibility of a collision of the celestial body with our planet became a focus of calculation and preparation on behalf of preventative efforts by experts across the world. The enormous asteroid Apophis will reportedly pass disturbingly close to the Earth on Friday, the 13th of April in 2029. 2029. Do you know that Jesus was killed on Friday the 13th? It was Friday the 13th, and so that's when Passover is. Now, NASA admits that it will be so close to the Earth that it will put some of our orbiting satellites in peril and even be visible in the daytime sky. So what, as you do some research on this particular asteroid, what you're going to find is that in 2025, you'll be able to look at this thing with a kid's telescope. But in 2027, it will be visible with the naked eye. So you want to tuck that away. And you can, everything I'm telling you, you can get it. So it's, it's all right there. Now, going down, how big is this thing? Well, Apophis is about 12, I'm, I'm putting this in, in American, uh, it's about 1,200 feet across, weighs an estimated 20 million metric tons, and is traveling in our direction at 28,000 miles an hour, 28,000 miles an hour. So, um, so is it going to hit the earth? Well, interesting, NASA says that, well, it's going to be so close that it's going to put some of our satellites at risk. When you look at some of the videos and some of the other research that's on the internet, you're going to find so close, it's not going to just put them in damage. It's going to wipe out some of our, of our satellites. So is that calculation correct? Well, very interesting. Uh, the reason this is of such concern, uh, physicist Nathan Meyervold, I'm not going to try to pronounce that name, former chief strategist and chief technology officer at Microsoft, a true polymath and working scientist who has published original research in paleobiology, climatology, astronomy, and who holds over 850 U.S. patents. This guy's a brainiac. He's also called Bill Gates' second brain, and uh, in most years he's pointed out as being on the list of uh, uh, the world's 100 greatest thinkers. He refutes the data from NASA as suffering from systemic errors and inconsistencies, quote, regarding the potentiality of deadly NEOs or near-Earth objects. Just short of whistleblowing, Marivold, if I'm pronouncing that, goes on to charge NASA with deliberately misrepresenting the number of threats by these near-Earth objects. Well, um, if, if you ever get into the conspiracy world, when you hear NASA, they would tell you that NASA means never a straight answer. So, so let me, uh, over here. Another mathematician, I found this interesting. Harry, uh, one mathematician, Harry Lear, recently asserted the claim that the formula used to calculate the, traje the trajectory of Apophis, and it gives the formula, which I don't understand, um, he says, uh, is, is, is you know, incredibly wrong. He says, which Lear implies could send Apophis crashing into Earth in less than 10 years from now on April 13th, 2029. 
Lear has sent an open letter to President Trump and U.S. government scientists begging them to cross-check these calculations immediately, even though he ends his dispatch with an ominous admonition that we may already be out of time. Then it goes on. More recently, NASA employee Robert Frost said that the best thing governments could do if the mathematicians and scientists mentioned here are correct is just tell the public to hunker down, to hunker down. Well, that should warm your heart. (laughs) So, in Luke's gospel, Jesus is talking about this time period called the tribulation. And uh, I put that there on your outline. You want to read it and we'll underline some things. Jesus says in this time period, he says, there will be signs in sun and moon and stars, but that word there is aster, but more specifically, asteroids. Does everybody see that? Asteroids. And on the earth, I want you to underline dismay among nations, in perplexity at the roaring of the sea and the waves. And then underline this, men fainting from fear and the expectation of the things which are coming upon the earth, for the powers of heaven will be shaken. Then, and it'll be sometime after that, they will see the Son of Man coming in a cloud with power and great glory. And, but, these, but when these things begin to take place, straighten up and lift your heads because your redemption is drawing near. So at the end of the tribulation, Jesus comes back. But when you see this, you know, you only have so much uh, further to go before Jesus comes back. So you, you, you notice it says there stars, that word is asteroids, and it says men will be fainting from fear and the expectation of the things which are coming upon the world. Now, you can do your own research, but what's interesting is this apophis is going to be able to be seen by your kid's telescope beginning in the year 2025. But within two years after that, in 2027, uh, you're going to be able to see this thing with the naked eye. You're just going to look up and see it there. So imagine getting up every day, and you look up in the sky, and you see that thing, and it's coming your way. And you know that it's going to hit in 2029. So it says, men fainting from fear and the expectation of the things which are coming upon the world. The idea is that whatever this is, they're going to see it. They're going to faint from the expectation as they know what is coming upon the world. Do you find that interesting? Absolutely. So if that, if what we are seeing here is uh, an asteroid that's coming in this direction, uh, and, and I do believe that that's probably the case, I want to go th- back through verses 7 through 11 and read and give some commentary as we go. I'm going to give some commentary as we go. So find my place here. All right, so I'm going to read verses 6 and 7. And it says, uh, The seven angels which had the seven trumpets prepared themselves to sound. The first angel sounded, and there followed hail and fire mingled with blood. And they were cast upon the earth, and a third of the trees was burned up, and all the green grass was burned up. So we talked about that. So Tom Horn and his research, and you can look all this up on, on, the, on the Internet, 
smaller portions of an incoming binary asteroid or debris detached from a larger space body upon impact with our atmosphere. Alternatively, these minor meteor fragments could be debris caught in the gravitational pull of a single large asteroid that enters the Earth's atmosphere ahead of the colossal rock. Some of these things are so big, they literally have their own gravitational pull, which is why NASA says there's nothing that we can do, because if you blow it up with a nuclear device, it's traveling so fast, the gravity is so strong, you blow it apart, the gravity just brings it all back. And uh, you can research that and, and find that. Verses 8 and 9, the second angel sounded, and as it were a great mountain burning with fire, as it were or like, was cast into the sea, and the third part of the sea became blood, and the third part of the creatures which were in the sea and had life died, and the third part of the ships were destroyed. So, immediately following the first trumpet with what Paul, he would say, I believe, to be smaller portions of red-hot fragments, asteroid materials, the picture emerges of a large burning mountain, uh, exactly how the ancients would convey seeing a sizable asteroid as it passes through the, through the atmosphere toward the planet, impacting the sea, killing a third of the ocean's life, wiping out ships with tidal activity, we'd say tsunamis. This appears to be the first of two larger parts of a massive disintegrating asteroid. So the asteroid comes in, and uh, these asteroids have an orbit. They have gravitational pull. So many of these are traveling with a number of smaller rocks that are around them. So those smaller rocks would hit the Earth first before this one that looks like a great burning mountain would actually hit. Well, going on in verse 10 and 11, it says, the, the third angel sounded and there fell a great star from heaven burning as it were a lamp. And it fell upon a third part of the rivers and upon the mountains and waters and the name of the star is called Wormwood. And the third part of the waters became wormwood, and many died of the waters because they were made bitter. Interesting. The third trumpet details what sounds like a gigant, a second gigantic asteroid fragment as it separates, burning as it were as a lamp. Again, exactly how John of Patmos would have likely described or explained a massive asteroid sec section blazing toward the world and it immediately impacts another part of the world, causing tributaries to become polluted, including waters purified, are normally purified for drinking, and many people will die as a result. Do you find that interesting? And uh, you can get all of this in about five minutes of research on the internet. It's not being reported on the news, and there's good reason why they don't report these things on the news, because can you imagine the panic that would be going around? Aren't you glad that the church goes up in chapter 4? We don't want to be chapter 8 kind of people. <laughs> so, so good, 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 good. All right. So again, you can go on YouTube, type in Apophis, see a number of videos. But uh, men's hearts will fail as they see these things coming upon the earth if this is the right understanding. So the fourth trumpet, verse 12, it says, The fourth angel sounded and a third of the sun, and a third of the moon, and a third of the stars were struck. 
and a third of them would be darkened. You want to underline darkened. And the day would not shine for a third of it, and the night in the same way. So the fourth trumpet will be a reduction in light, a reduction in light, probably for about a week, maybe a little bit longer. If you're old enough to remember Mount St. Helens, one of the things when that erupted and it put out so much into the atmosphere, they said it was like being at nighttime for the next week or so. And so this appears to be describing something like this. Now, another thing, just very interesting, if I can say one more thing from the book that I found so interesting. Um, There's a section of this. He goes through the Apophis one, but then there's the section, and it's called, and then there are these. And what you find is that there are so many, and he lists all the ones that you can find from, from Asa that are heading this direction, and that they seem to be stacking up. They seem to be stacking up, these, these asteroids. How, do, how many of you remember when you used to go to the airport and you could watch the airplanes come in and you'd see the jets and they're all stacked four miles apart, you know, and you could go look at 30 miles and just see them all stacked and they're all coming in? Well, that's kind of the description that's given. And again, you can get this from, from, from uh, NASA or just, just about anywhere. Am I saying that Apophis is the fulfillment of Revelation chapter 8. No, I'm not saying that. I'm saying that it could be, and I'm saying it is very interesting. Would you agree that's very interesting? So imagine that's coming, you can see it. And again, I'm glad that the church is removed in chapter 4. Well, it's about to get worse. So, um, verse 13, it says, and I looked and I heard an angel flying in mid-heaven, which would be our atmosphere, saying with a loud voice, woe, woe, woe to those who dwell on the earth. And once again, there's those earth dwellers. Because of the remaining blasts of the trumpet and the three angels which are about to sound. Now, the next three trumpets are going to be very different. Uh, Just notice if, uh, um, let's see. Um, when they sound, I'm, I'm, I'm not going to go into it, but, uh, but uh, just notice verse 4 of chapter 9, and it says, uh, when these happen, they're told, whatever these things are, and we'll see, oh, what the heck. Verse 3, it says, and out of the smoke came locusts upon the earth, and power was given them as scorpions. And we'll talk about that next week, okay? So uh, just leave you that if you come back next week. But, but notice this. Remember the people who were sealed in the last chapter? They're sealed by God. They become believers. You have the 144,000, verse 4. They were told these things, not to hurt the grass of the earth, nor any green thing, nor any tree, but only the men who do not have the seal of God on their foreheads. In, in the tribulation period, it will be martyrdom that gets people, but they're protected from these plagues that come. So... Anyways, do you find that interesting today? You know, um, we are living in that time period. The Bible talks about how Israel would become a nation again, and that would begin that last generation. And so Israel's now 72 years old. And the Bible talks about birth pains, and these things are going to increase as we go. And, And as they increase, Jesus says that's when he comes back and he gives a couple more things that we've looked at. But guys, we are very, very close. Now, one other thing. 
We don't set dates. We don't set dates. But if Revelation chapter 8 and the tribulation, and Revelation chapter 8 is considered right about the middle of the tribulation, and that takes place, which is about three and a half years in, uh, when would the church need to be raptured by? Just back out three and a half years. Am I saying that's going to happen? Uh, that the church is raptured in 2025? No, I'm not saying that. It's looking more like 2021, actually. But... <laughs> But these things are going to become more and more evident as we go, more and more evident as we go. So, uh, find that interesting today? Good, 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 good. Guys, it's really coming true. It's really happening just as the Bible said, and we're going to see these things really accelerate, accelerate. So, with that, we're going to close in prayer, and uh, we'll pick it up next week. Let's go ahead and close in prayer. Fathers, we wrap this up today, and we close this teaching Lord, we, we see the things taking place and lining up to take place in a way that we would have never seen even 100 or 200 years ago. And, and Lord, we, we realize that your word talks about the, these last days. And so, Father, we want to be people who represent you well in this time period, and, and, and we want to be able to bring as many people to you as possible. Lord, for anybody who is in this in this room today who doesn't know that they know that they know that they have settled their eternity with you, I encourage you at this point, just say, Jesus, Jesus of the Bible, come into my life. Thank you for forgiving me of everything I've ever done. I want to be yours. And, and he promises that when you invite him in, call it saved, born again, however, but you invite him in, you become his and you're spared from the things to come, which is why this is such a blessing, because it lets you know what God is saving you and I from in this time. Lord, keep us till we meet again. It's in Jesus' name we pray, and all God's people said, amen. amen.